Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Yeah. Let's do that. Get your sermon, out, sermon notes out, your Bibles. Uh, we are going to dive right into just a standalone message today called Giving and Getting. Giving and Getting. And um, usually the, uh, the uh, and I, it's been a couple years since I've said this, but usually the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I'll always make a statement. Because you know, uh, my wife and I, we love... Uh, uh, everything about being debt free, and uh, we 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 obviously teach that. And for all of you who just overspent on all of your Black Friday shopping, and you know you overspent, I got great news for you. Um, obviously, there's those things are still in the box, and you can take them back. Everybody, they'll <laughs> they'll accept returns at the store that you bought that from. So if you spent too much already and you went out of your budget or you pulled out the credit card and you said, I don't know how I'm going to pay this off. Well, I'll tell you how to pay it off. Just take everything back. That's how you pay off that credit card. All right. So everybody receive the word of the Lord today. All right. Okay. So that was the first one. The second one actually is in your sermon notes. So let's go through that. We're going to talk about a story that I don't know if I've ever uh, spoken about, preached about, and yet it's one of the most uh, common stories uh, not only in the Bible, but in the world. I mean, e even people that don't attend church know about the Good Samaritan. And we're going to talk about that very, very quickly this morning. But I think you're going to learn some things and see some things that maybe you've never seen in Scripture before. So this is found in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. In, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he had came to the place and saw him, passed, on, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an, to an inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, well, actually, we all know it was the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So we have here um, the first two men that walked by this man in need that showed no compassion whatsoever were actually religious people. People who on the outside you thought had it all together. But on the inside, they obviously didn't because they, they lacked love. They lacked compassion. But the Samaritan, the one who was the outcast, obviously was the one who, who showed compassion, who showed love, who showed generosity. 
And, and that's a sermon in itself. I, I want to break some things down in this story again that maybe you've never thought of before, but it's going to teach us a lesson. Then I'm going to, I'm going to show you some things at the end of this that really are, are going to allow you to apply some things to your own life. And I, I, I want to say, especially, especially before next Sunday, before we um, take up an offering for Project Rescue, David Grant is going to be here and we're going to get a, give a significant amount of money. Our prayer is at least $25,000 that we're going to give to Project Rescue to help save uh, young boys and girls out of sex trafficking in India and really in seven other countries besides that. And um, we're, we're about to make a huge difference in some lives uh, of some young boys and girls next, next Sunday morning. And, and with that being said, I, if you have not prayed about what you are going to do, and I know a lot of you already have, a lot of you have already made up your mind. I'm giving $500. I'm giving, you wouldn't believe, I've had multiple people come up and say, Pastor Justin, I have $1,000 set aside for Project Rescue. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, um, there are already people listening to the voice of God who've been praying about it. And if you haven't, I, wa I want you to be here next Sunday morning. I just want you to pray about it, okay? And I want you to listen to these words. I want you to listen um, to some of these points about the good Samaritan. There, there are certain marks that we have if we live a generous life. If you live a generous life, and not, now, now what I'm saying is, I'm not talking about a generous moment. I'm talking about a generous life. I'm not talking about a generous moment. I, I think all of us in this room have had generous moments, but I don't know that all of us in this room are living, living a generous life. And there's a difference in that. And so these are the marks of a generous life. Letter or Number one, write this down. The marks of a generous life. The first one is love that looks beyond itself. Love that looks beyond itself. A love that looks only at oneself or yourself is actually not love at all. Did, did you hear me? A, a love that only looks at yourself or looks at your family and doesn't look at anybody else is actually not true love at all. Because love, the Bible says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, that love always lives for the benefit of others. Now, it doesn't use those exact words, but that's what it says. Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. And if you are living for your benefit and, and your thoughts are always on what would benefit you or what, let me say it this way, what you think would benefit you, because a lot of times, in fact, I would say all the time that we live for ourselves, those things are not beneficial at all. If you do that, that's not real love, that's not compassion, that's not generosity, that's really selfishness, and it's something that God frowns upon, and by the way, it's something that uh, people in, in need need you, to, need you to deal with. They need you to deal with that in your life, because there are people counting that are in desperate need of help, and I know there are a lot of people in this room, well, I know a lot of people, they just refuse to work, they're living off the government, and they're, that's not everybody. So even if you think that, that's fine. There, there are people that we just refuse to give benevolence to now because we know them. And they have no intention of getting out of it. They have no intention of, of doing anything except taking advantage of others. And at that point, we don't reward bad behavior. You know that, right? Like we know them, and that, that means at, at some time we might have given to them, but now we know them, and now we've pulled back and said, no, we want to give to people who are really in need. And trust me, New Song, there are people in this community that are not trying to take advantage of the system, but are genuinely in need. And they are depending on us to live generous, compassionate 
lives. There's people, there are people who are waiting on us to live out the Christian life that we've been called to live out. And a love, love actually looks beyond itself. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. So he says, this is, it's like he's saying this. For, for those of you who are God's people, we're talking the children of God, and you know, if you're a child of God, that you are dearly loved by God. If you're so loved by God, why would you not love someone else? That's what that verse is saying. You're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So therefore, knowing how loved you are, shouldn't we clothe ourselves with that same love? with that same compassion? And the answer is an obvious yes. Yes. Because for those of us who, who have been forgiven, if we've been forgiven of much, it's easy for us to forgive much. And, and if we've been loved much, it should be easy for us to love much. See how that works? And sometimes when we focus on ourselves, we fail to realize the love and the grace and the mercy of our Heavenly Father. We just fail to do that. Well, I don't want to live a life like that. I, I want to live a life that constantly remembers the love and the mercy and the grace and the compassion of Almighty God upon my life. Because if I live my life like that, I'm a true worshiper. Not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of my life, I'm worshiping my Father. So the marks of a gener generous life is a love that looks beyond itself. Second thing, you got to be willing to invest in others. And can I tell you that it, it, is, it is an investment you're investing in somebody's life. Every time I counsel someone or every time Paul counsels someone or every time we deal with a, a, a couple who, who needs their marriage restored, we're making an investment. We're making an investment. And, and we're making that investment is because we've, we've realized something that a lot of people forget, that every single person is valuable to God. How valuable Every single, every single person in the entire world is valuable to God, so valuable to God that he gave his only begotten son for them. If, if they were, you, you take the most vile person in the world, and Jesus still would have died for that vile person. That's how valuable they are to God, and that's how valuable they should be to us. Therefore, we should invest in it. We should invest in it. I, I have a van uh, it's a Honda Odyssey. It has 167,000 miles on it now. It's been paid for for a long time. And um, my, 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 my wife and I are just driving that thing into the ground. And we're going to drive it until it dies, everybody. And its name is, don't, don't laugh. Well, you, you can. It, it's not a name that I came up with. My children came up with it when they were very young. Chiquita Sasquatcha. And you say, what in the world? I don't know. We were on vacation. We had just got in the van. We said, hey, we how many name your vehicles? Anybody name your vehicles? Okay, okay, okay. I do. I name my, all of my, my vehicles have had a name. I don't know why. The car that I'm driving now, it's a girl. Her name's Vivian. <laughs> and I got that because her license plate is VYV318, VYV. And I just thought, Viv, Vivian, that, boy, that fits her. I'm going to name her Vivian. And if you drove her and actually stepped on the gas, you would know she's a girl. Um, she doesn't have that deep voice that boys have, you know what I mean? The, the growling. You know Austin DeLee, one of the teenagers, he just got a truck, and uh, that's a boy truck. 
because when he starts it up, you know it growls like a, a, a boy. So, uh, so we named our van Chiquita Sasquatcha, and every now and then I'll tell my wife, because it's just our van, and we've lived in that van, and we've put, we've put tens of thousands of miles on that van, and it's valuable to us in that it's been very dependable, and, and sometimes I have to remind my wife, we got to wash this van every now and then, like, like this van is valuable to us. We need to make an investment in our, in our own vehicle. And, and, and we do when it, when it breaks down and stuff like that. It's just immediately, hey, a breakdown, we take it in. We get it fixed. Why? Because it's a value to us. It's a value to us. And we want to make that investment in the thing that's valuable to us. Have you ever noticed the things that are most valuable to you are the things that you invest in the most? Because um, uh, on my car, my car is newer and far less miles on it, Vivian, and um, I take care of Vivian. I, I wash Vivian quite a bit, um, and I realized that I was washing Vivian far more than I was washing Chiquita Sasquatcha. <laughs> far more. Why? Because Vivian is more valuable to me, so I'm going to make the bigger investment there. And when you get to the point in your life that people are truly valuable to you, that you value people over stuff, that you value people over your home, you value people over your cars, you value people more than anything else outside of your relationship with Christ, all of a sudden you'll find yourself saying, oh, I'm ready to invest in somebody. I'm ready to invest in them. And the marks of a generous life is somebody who's willing to invest in others because others are valuable. Psalm 37 says it this way, I was young and now I'm old, meaning I've grown in wisdom is what he's saying. I've learned a few things over the year, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. What, what's this, everybody? Verse 26, they are always, how often? Always generous and lend freely. And what, what's this, everybody? Their children will be a blessing. So, so this is what I want my children to see in me. I want them to see their dad who's very generous because I don't know about you, I want my children to be generous. Okay, so let me say it this way. Generosity is passed down. Did you know that? Generosity is passed down. Now, I'm, I'm gonna take a, 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 a poll here this morning, but I don't want any, any responses on the outside, only inside. In, inside voice only, inside response only. If I were to say to you, as, as your children, do you, let me ask you a few questions. Do you want your children to be passionately devoted followers of Christ? And all of us in this room, if you're a Christ follower, you would say, absolutely. Well, mom and dad, grandparents, they need to see you being a passionately devoted follower of Christ. If, if, if I were to ask this question, how many of you in this room, you want your child to grow up and love, and love God so much that he or she is going to be very faithful in giving tithes and offerings. Like you want your children to be givers when they leave your house. And all of us who are followers of Christ would say, absolutely. I want, I want all of my children to tithe and I want them all to give offerings. I want my children for the rest of their lives to look for ways to be generous. Well, there's something I know that I figured out in life, that if I want my children to be generous, they need to see dad being generous. They need to watch me be generous because generosity is passed down. You see how that works? And have you ever noticed that sometimes you have expectations of your children that you don't necessarily have of yourself? 
You have expectations of your children, but you don't hold yourself to the expectations that, that, uh, that you have because, well, but pastor, if you know what I had to go through, if you know, if you knew how much money I made, if you know where I live, if you know the struggles that I have, well, do you want your children to make those excuses? Or do you just want them to be generous at all times on all occasions according to the word of God and, and give cheerfully and generously? Well, you need to be the example. And your children need to see you invest in others. Number three, do you, you guys still love me? You still love the pastor? Everybody, now you can raise your hand. Do you still love the pastor? Okay, I was just messing with you. Okay, number three, willing to use personal abilities and resources. Willing to use personal abilities and resources. This is the marks of a generous life. First Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Notice, not serve yourself, but to serve others as faithful stewards or faithful managers of God's grace in its various forms. So a lot of times, um, you know, people will come up to a pastor and say, pastor, I see something that's not getting done in this church. And pastor, you really need to make sure this is getting done. And I'll look at them and say, yeah, you do. Because if you noticed it being undone, it might be God's calling on your life to get that thing done, to make sure that that problem is solved. And what, what it is is, Pastor, you have gifts. I want you to use your gifts. But this verse is saying, no, no, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. See, that's, that's a personal verse for all of us. I'm using my gifts. Are you using your gifts? And if you're not using your gifts to serve others, everybody, you're not living a generous life. You're not living the life that God has called you to live because one of the marks of generosity is willingness to use your personal abilities and resources. And if you say, I don't know what mine is, next steps. Next steps, join us for next steps. We'll give you a spiritual gift assessment. We'll show you what type of leader you are and we'll put you into ministry. Now in December, next steps is not gonna be happening because of Project Rescue Sunday and because it would lead us right into Christmas. And so we're gonna be starting that the first Sunday in January. Join us for next steps. And we'll help you discover your personal gifts, your personal abilities, your personal strengths. And, and the, the object of, that, of next steps is to get you doing what God has called you to do. That's what we try to do here. Number four, intentionally gives money for eternal purposes. So the marks of a generous life is someone who intentionally gives money for eternal purposes. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, who's, who's he talking about there? Who, who provides seed for the sower? God. Now, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. On what occasion? Just a few? No. Every time you get a chance to be generous, you should be generous, the Bible says. And, and by the way, Oh, and by the way, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Like, and, and the context of that is in eternal thanksgiving to God. Like, not only in this life, but for all of eternity in heaven, people will giving, be giving praise to God for the fact that he supplied all of their needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus while on the earth. 
Like, I have some thanks to give to God. He's always supplied my needs. And in fact, I've got more thanks to give to God. He's always supplied the needs of this church. Like, we're not in any financial crisis. Why? Because God is good. And he uses generous people. This is what he's saying, everybody. He's saying, if you want to be generous and you'll be faithful in generosity, God will give you seed to sow. That's what that's saying. God God will put in your hand something that you can give away, but he wants you to give it away. But if you hold to it, you're not being faithful, and he'll stop giving to you. I know that's hard to hear sometimes, isn't it? But, but actually, God, that's a promise from God. Saying, no, 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 if you learn to be generous, I'm going to be generous. So that you can keep being generous. Because when you're faithful with small things, God says, I'll put you in charge over much. When you're faithful with $100, I'll put you in charge of 1000 and when you're faithful with 1,000, I'll put you in charge of 10,000. When you're faithful with 10,000, I'll put you in charge of 100,000. Can I tell you, everybody, I'm living that out right now. God found me faithful in small things. And now, through tithes and offerings, we have hundreds of thousands of dollars that comes in this church every year. And I am being a manager of that and the leaders of this church, obviously, and, and we are generously giving. And the more that we give, the more that God gives us. Because we're faithful with that, everybody. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. So we're, we're now up to supporting nearly 60 missionaries every month. Can you believe that? We're about ready to plant the, uh, another church. We've planted two this year, one in Uganda and one in Sierra Leone, and we're getting ready to plant a third church. Hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be able to plant that third church. That's what we're, we're praying about. And, and let me tell you something else that's really cool. Isn't it this is so neat? Okay, so, so you say, how do we plant all of these churches around the world? Well, our, our goal is just to plant as many as the Lord would allow us to plant. So as he gives us increase, we just plant other churches. And, and uh, we, we worked through a ministry called The Surge Project. And The Surge Project was started by Larry Stockstill, a pastor in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for years and years and years. Pastored Bethany World Prayer Center in Baton Rouge. The man of integrity, a man that, that literally right now, right now over 22,000 churches trace their lineage back to Larry Stockstill. Meaning Larry started a ministry called The Surge Project because he had a heart for missions. And through him, and through him just going around telling everybody, we can do this, let's plant churches. Through him and his ministry, he's planted over 22,000 churches around the world. And by the way, Larry Stockstill is going to be in service with us in September of 2019. He's going to be here. Isn't that cool? And I hope by then that we'll have planted 10 churches by the time he arrives here in Plymouth. And, And let me tell you this, Larry Stockstill preaches at churches of 40, 50,000 people all the time. And I just sent an, an, a little email. said, you know what? We would be honored if you would come here. I know you're going to be in Indiana because I'm going to a conference that he's speaking at. He travels all the time and speaks at conferences everywhere. 
And I just said, I know you're going to be in Indiana September 9th. Would you just honor us by coming here on September the 8th on Sunday morning? And within two days, his assistant replied. He said he would be honored. Uh, we'll work out the details in January. He's coming here in September. Isn't that cool, everybody? One of the greatest men of the nation is going to be standing in this pulpit next Sunday. And you know what? He, he's nothing fancy. I'm telling you, you're going to be so blessed by him. He's, he's how do I say this? Uh, He's one of my mentors and doesn't even know it. I've listened to hundreds of his sermons, and he doesn't, if he walks into a room, the only thing that you think about him is, hey, he's kind of tall. Nothing stands out about him. He's not extremely handsome. He's not extremely charismatic. His sermons are very just simple and to the point. But this guy is making a world, literally a world of difference, a world of difference, and I'm just going to be tickled pink to sit next to this guy and learn from him for a little while. And, and, and you don't want to miss that day. Of course, we'll tell you about that all the time. But I guarantee you something about Larry Stocksill that should be said of all of us. He intentionally gives money for eternal purposes. And he, he intentionally lives for eternal purposes. Did you see that all of these things that happened right here that we talked about is everything that the good Samaritan lived out as he helped that person in need, as he showed compassion, that the good Samaritan had a love that looked beyond itself. He was willing to invest in others. He was willing to use personal abilities and resources. He was intentionally giving money for eternal purposes for the sake of that man's soul. And by the way, it was inconvenient for him too. We didn't even talk about that. Because it's pretty inconvenient when you find somebody in need. Let, let me say it this way. Helping somebody in need is always inconvenient. Because it takes you off course. And it takes some time. And it takes some resources. And you think, well, yeah, but I have to be here. And I have to do this. And I was on my way here. And what about this? It's always inconvenient. But can I tell you something? God never promises that the Christian life was going to be convenient. But he said it's going to be worth it. And great will your reward be in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. So watch this, everybody. Three attitudes here, but only one is right. There's three attitudes that we need to, to live a life of generosity. So here's the three attitudes, but only one, only one is right. Letter A, what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. That's the first attitude, and a lot of people in the world live with that attitude, don't they? Like, what's yours is actually mine, and I'm going to take it. I see it in the business world all the time. Every, listen, everybody, every time an insurance person calls you out of nowhere, and you're already covered, what are they trying to do? They're trying to take something that belongs to somebody else and make it theirs. No, I don't want you to give your fees to them. I want you to give it to me. So, in, in fact, we have somebody in this church, I'm not going to name them, but an insurance person in this church who, who said, you know what, God told them one day, hey, that's not right. If you trust me, I'll bring business to you. Don't steal it from anybody else. And God miraculously, miraculously did that um, because they just simply trusted in God. And again, that person is sitting in the room right now. And I promise you, they're agreeing with what, I, what I'm saying. That if you had the attitude that says, hey, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it, that's not an attitude that we need to have. In fact, Luke 12, 15 says this. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in, a, in an abundance of possessions. That's not what life is all about. Life is not what fills your garage, everybody. Life doesn't sit on four wheels. 
Life isn't on a, a, a huge foundation. Life isn't on a clothing rack in the department store. Life is only found in Christ Jesus. See, life does not consist in an, in an abundance of possessions. So the bad attitude, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. That's wrong. Letter B, here's another wrong one. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Hey, I fought for this after all. I worked for this after all. So what I've earned, I'm going to keep. Bad attitude. And this is just, I, I could pull out a hundred verses about this, but Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, each of you, like all of us, each of you to the interest of others. So we, some, some people in this room have that attitude. Well, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Well, that's not a generous life, and I'll tell you, that's not the will of God for you. It's selfish. And, and the very, watch this, everybody. You've heard me say this before, but it's still true. The very thing that you refuse to give up to God is the very thing he will require of you. I'm going to say that again. The very thing that you refuse to give to God is the very thing he will require of you. Because he said, I'll have nothing before me. It's me first all the time. So can I tell you, can I give you a hint? Can I give you some truth? Look at all your stuff and say, Jesus, this is yours. You can have it at any time. In fact, that leads us to letter C. What's mine is yours and I'll give it. And we finally got to the right attitude of a generous life. What's mine is yours, and I'll give it. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, One person freely gives, yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a promise to me. Does that sound like a promise to you? Here's the promise. When I freely give, I get even more. So we're talking about giving and getting, right? When I, when I freely give, I actually get. And, and when I get more, I get to give more. So I don't, I, don't, I don't get in order to hoard. I get in order to give. And when I give that, then I get more. And when I give more, I get more. And when I give more, I get more. That's the way it works. But if you hold unduly, the Bible says, actually, you're, you're, you're poor. Maybe not in worldly things, but you're poor in spirit. You're, you're poor in heart. You're, you're poor in your relationship with the Lord. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's a promise. So if you live your life in generosity, guess what God is going to do? He's going to be generous. And, and, and can I tell you something, everybody, about these last things as we just bring this to close? I know those three bad attitudes, we, we talk about stuff with those things, like, hey, what, what's yours is mine, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it, or what's mine is mine, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. But, but can I tell you something? We oftentimes do that to God. Like, we do that to God. God, what, what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. So when you're in trouble, what do you do? Oh, God, bail me out. Oh, God, I need what's yours because I don't have it. And God's gracious. He's generous. But we sure don't mind asking him a favor 
when we're in trouble, do we? God, please, what's yours? I need it to be mine. And I, I'll take it. But then he gives it. And then it becomes, oh, oh God, hey, I, I know you're asking things of me, but actually what's mine is mine. And I'm going to keep it. And God says, I'm the one that gave that to you. We deal with, well, not anymore to the glory of God. Uh, for a long time, we dealt with this in our children. Uh, we, would, we would give them, let's say, for instance, making this up, but all of us know this scenario. We would give them, let's say, a Kit Kat. And you know that in a Kit Kat, there's like four or five of those little bars. So we give them, we buy them a Kit Kat candy bar. We say, here, this is yours. Hey, can I have one? Mm. Mm. It's mine. But, but I'm the one that gave that to you. It's all mine now, though, right? Like, so, so seriously, like all the groceries in my house are actually mine. Like, I mean, that, they're all God's, but they definitely don't belong to my children. They didn't do a thing for those groceries. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't work for those groceries. Daddy worked for those groceries. So sometimes they're eating a, a, you know, out of a bag of chips and say, hey, give me one. Mm. I gave that to you. That, that came from me. You know we do that with God. God gives us all these things and we're like, hey, thank you, God, you bailed me out. And then God asks for some back. No, no, no. What's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. But then we get to this part of a generous life when it comes to God and we say, God, actually what I think is mine isn't mine at all. What's mine is actually yours. And I'll give it at any time. My wife and I have this ongoing conversation in our life, in our world. God, whatever you ask from us, we'll give it. And he knows that everything that we have is his. And, and there are some places that we would rather not go in ministry, for instance. But if he asked us, we would go. Why? Because what's mine is actually his. And I'll give it. And I'll be generous. Can I tell you, I'm giving you, this is a life-changing message for some of you in this room that you haven't discovered generosity as of yet. You, you still have some heart issues that you need to deal with. And you need to get to the point that what's yours is actually his. And when he asks it, you just need to give it. And by the way, when you give it, the Bible says we give cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. So, so when we, when Jennifer and I give our tithe back to the Lord, and then we give offerings every, every month, offerings above and beyond that, every month, we don't do that with a frown on our face. No, it's a, it's a joy for us. Are you kidding me? I get to bless the kingdom of God. I get to give God what he's given me. Why? That's a joy to know that it's changing the lives of others. My wife and I have already set aside an amount of money that we're going to give to Project next, Rescue next week, and we're going to give that in joy. Because that, that money is going to save the life of a little girl who's being sexually abused seven to ten times a night. You know I'm going to give that with a smile on my face, knowing that I'm making a difference for somebody. So don't give begrudgingly. Give joyfully, cheerfully back to God. And when you're faithful in little things, 
God will put you charge over many. I, I, I'm going to give one last story. I had one guy recently come up to me about six months ago now. He said, Pastor, you're always talking about tithing. And I looked at him and I said, actually, I never do. I, I should say, rare that I do. Because I always want giving to be something out of your heart, nothing out of guilt. I never want it to be driven by guilt. So how often do you hear me teach about giving, generosity, tithing? How often do you hear me talk about those things? Not very often. Not very often. Now, I still do because it's in the Word of God and we need to talk about it. But you need to know, God is the supplier of the needs of this church. He'll supply the needs of this church. Yet I had a guy come up and was like, you always talk about it. First of all, I don't. Well, I just don't have enough money to tithe, and so I just, never, I just don't tithe. And I looked at him, and he, he confronted me in, in, a, in a strong way. And, and sometimes you got to watch out for that because the Holy Spirit will fill somebody with a little gumption at points. You know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes, everybody, God disciplines us. And sometimes he uses people. <laughs> and, and this guy approached me, and he had that attitude. And I looked at him in the eyes and I said, and that's why you'll never have more than you have right now. And I wasn't, I wasn't cursing him. I was speaking the truth to him because I know a truth that he doesn't understand, that God is generous to those who are generous, that he refreshes those who have refreshed others. This guy doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. See, see this. let me tell you, let me say it this way, everybody. When you open up and give what's in your hand, God opens up his hand and gives to you. When, when you. when you open your hand to God, God opens his hand and pours out such a blessing that you don't have room enough for it. Malachi chapter three says. So we just take God at his word. And I'll tell you this, I've never been forsaken and I've never begged for bread because God is true to his word. It's true to his word. You receive the word of the Lord today? So live your life with an open hand, not a closed fist. Because what's yours is actually his, and you need to be willing to give it. Heavenly Father, help us to give generously and cheerfully, not just in tithes and offerings, but as we talked about today, in every single area of our life. Lord, help us to live lives of compassion and love for others. Help us not to look down our nose at others, but help us to have the view of a servant, of somebody who just gets to serve others. Help us to live for the glory of your name. And Lord, I know there's some people in this room, in fact, many people in this room, who have lived generous lives and are living generous lives and they're refreshing others. And Father, over them today, I declare and I bless them with your refreshment and your generosity according to your word. I know it's theirs because they're a child of God. And they're faithful to you. And I know that you're going to be faithful to them. And I declare your generosity and your favor and your blessings over their life. And Lord, help us all to have the mindset that says what we think is ours, God, that that's actually yours. Help us to have the mindset of generosity.
of giving and of serving. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.